Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. Uh, you know, it's been a, like Mark said, it's been a big week. Uh, it's actually been a big period of time. You know, we, we hired uh, Pastor Jordan and then Kelsey had the baby right away. Uh, we, we hire Pastor Josh and they have the baby before they come. And, and now Michael and Amy have their baby. So I'm like, Mark, are you and Cheryl? What? What's, <laughs> I, what? You're waving like, yes, Jesus. Woo! Maybe Pastor Dan. I don't know. Uh, I got five. I have all the outs I need with uh, I can't get another one in the minivan, so there we go. Uh, but man, we're just excited to have a little Brady in our lives, uh, and so that's just an exciting time for the Barnards, and, uh, um, and I told Michael he could have this morning off, but that's it. No, just kidding. Um, well, I'm excited. We're, we're in our four words series about the cross, and, and of course, this is uh, just such a, a beautiful season, this Easter season, as we focus on that, that key moment in history that changed everything. And, and, and through this series, we're looking each, wor- each week at one word. Uh, you could do a, a, a whole decade's worth of what the cross brought by picking a word each week. Uh, and so we, we whittled it down to four. And today we're talking about forgiven, uh, about this, this problem that God solved w- with the cross. And it started to make me think about what, it, what it's like when you solve a big problem. Anybody ever have something in your life that that's a big problem and you finally solved it, you're like, uh, you know, you're, you're just, you're looking at it and you're going, it seems insurmountable, uh, I don't know what to do, and then you figure it out, you're like, oh, wow, I did it, whether it was financial or relational or plumbing or whatever it might be, uh, and, you're, and once you figure it out, you're, you feel kind of like Einstein, like, I can figure anything out, you know, it's like, E equals something, you know, and, uh, or maybe you're feeling like you're Buster Douglas and uh, you're like, I'm going to box Mike Tyson, and then you knock him out, and you're like, this belly knocked out that chiseled person, and you're like, I can do anything. There was this problem that was crushing me, and, and I solved it. And you just feel like, just bring it on. I, I'm so excited uh, to take on every problem. Easter season is a celebration of God solving the biggest problem that humans have ever faced, sin, rebellion, uh, wickedness, separation from him. And the cross is where God solved the sin problem, where he did it all. And, and, and we know that, that nobody's perfect, right? We, we all mess up, right? I mean, everyone in here, if I say, have you messed up this month? You'd, you'd raise your hand this week, maybe already this morning. I don't know, but we, we'd all raise our hands. And if you didn't, well, you've got a lot more problems than you think, you know. Uh, but we know what it means to sin against another person, uh, what it's like to be sinned against and, and to be offended or hurt or wounded in some way. Dealing with, with offense, with that hurt, that gut punch, uh, it's an everyday issue because when we sin, it, it affects relationships. It affects our interpersonal relationships in our homes and in our lives, at work, uh, at school. Uh, you know, for the, for the holidays, maybe you don't see that person a lot, but you do, you do life with them in some capacity, and so it's like it affects it. And we all know what a big problem it is to, to offend and to sin against in human relationships and of course, it's a much bigger problem when it comes to 
affecting the relationship with, with God because it, it separated us from a perfect God. It was, it was perfect for two people, up to two people in the garden, and then it, it went awry. And there was that, that major relationship problem. And so God made a promise in Genesis 3.15, I'm going to solve this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send, send one that's going to that's gonna crush the head of the one that talked you into sinning against me. And, and he'll pay a price, but he'll fix your problem. And so in Genesis, we're given the promise. Uh, and then in, in the book of Leviticus, in, the, in chapter 16, we get this, this picture given to us of, of what, what it took to, to solve the sin problem. This, what, what we refer to as the Day of Atonement. Uh, I encourage you this week, or even, even today, it's only like 34 verses, something like that, the Leviticus 16, but I encourage you to, to read Leviticus 16. Uh, it's a lot of details, and it's a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of blood and body parts of goats being splattered all over the place, but it gives you an understanding of, of, of what it took, what it cost for Jesus, who is the ultimate atonement, to solve our sin problem. The Day of Atonement actually means, if you want to break it down into, like, Scott, uh, you know, instead of $10 words, like a $1 word, uh, you know, and take that atonement, it, it really means at one with God. So you can take atone and say it, it's, we're made at one with God through this, this back then, what they did as, as a yearly sacrifice, and then, of course, we don't have to worry about it anymore. Jesus did it forever on the cross. But it brings us freedom. It brings us healing to have this relationship atoned uh, and, and made right. And by looking at the, the Day of Atonement, we can see why sin is such a big deal and, and, and what consequences it brings in relationships with others, but ultimately in relationship with God. And we can see... God's amazing mercy in providing a way to gain forgiveness. It's breathtaking when you, when you think it all through with uh, all that we did and all that we still do sometimes and, and how we act and, uh, towards each other, but ultimately towards God, how we, how we kind of, whether we mean to or not, we, we tell him, oh, you don't really know what you're doing, I'm going to take over. Uh, and it, and it's, it's kind of breathtaking to go, wow, you, you still did that for me in the midst of me being me. And we can see a clearer picture when you read Leviticus 16. You see this clearer picture of the kind of sacrifice that had to be made in order to find the solution for sin. The Day of Atonement pointed to the death of Jesus on the cross. It, it was 1,500 years roughly before he went to the cross, but it was a picture pointing ahead to the cross. Everything in our lives as believers, everything in history up to the cross and from the cross points to the cross. It always pointed to Jesus at the cross ahead and, and now we point back to the cross and the beautiful thing about, about pointing back to the cross is we don't live in the past because that cross moment that happens in our lives points to forever with him. And so it's this beautiful, it's this beautiful picture. God's always for you, always. And so he's always getting you to understand what Jesus did on the cross, but not wanting you to feel bad about it. Maybe be undone or broken or, or, or just overwhelmed at the goodness of, of his love for us, but, but he doesn't want us to just grovel. He wants us to understand, but then look and see, wow, I provided this that's gonna come for me. So the Day of Atonement points to the death of Jesus on the cross, and, and the reality is that Jesus is the true and better atonement. They did this for 
roughly 1,500 years waiting for that moment when he would fulfill it. And, and sadly, some, some in, the, in the Jewish faith still do this because they don't know that, they don't believe that, they don't understand that Jesus fulfilled it at the cross. And so we, we see this story in here about killing goats. I mean, this is, it's kind of funny when you read it. It's just, there's, a, there's a sin goat, uh, a sin offering goat, and there's a scapegoat in this story. And in, in verse 15, it tells Aaron, the high priest, that he's going to slaughter the first goat, the sin goat, as a sin offering for the people, and he's going to carry that blood over, and he's going to pour that blood all over the mercy seat. And the mercy seat is also known as the, the, uh, the atonement cover. It, it's where, where there was actually, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, and there was a mercy seat on top of it, and that's where God would dole out his mercy and his grace on people. And so it's, he's saying, hey, come and bring this, this perfect, this, this unblemished goat, slaughter it, stuff all over the place, and then just pour that blood all over. And when you do that, my mercy will be given to you. You won't get what you deserve, and my grace will be given to you. You'll get what you don't deserve. Those are the two sides of mercy and grace. And so it's this beautiful picture of something really ugly. And then the scapegoat, it goes on to say, uh, in verse 20, that take a live goat, which we, they commonly refer to as a scapegoat after this. And it says, the, the priest will lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess over it all, say all, all the wickedness, rebellion, and sins of the people for that year. All of them being spoken over that goat, laid on his head, and then the goat is, is shooed off. It's like slapped on the, on the backside, and it goes off into the, into the wilderness. And it says, it will carry the people's sins upon itself into a desolate land. That's, that's why, that's where we get the phrase scapegoat. When you're looking for somebody to blame, we call it, who's going to be the scapegoat? And, you know, wh whoever does it, they, they find somebody to blame. Jesus willingly became our scapegoat. And all the sins of humanity were laid on Jesus' head, and he carried them off into a desolate land. And so that's the, the picture there. That, that sin goat that he slaughtered, it took their place, and it was killed in their place. It was the propitiation. It was the payment that was received. It, it was the mercy. It was not getting punished for what we deserved. It was, we're going to take communion in a little while, but it was Jesus' body just being broken because we sinned. And the scapegoat, it's the sin that got away in a good way. <laughs> It takes the sins away from God's people so we can be in His presence. It, it carries away all of our wickedness so that we can stand in the presence of a holy God. Redemption by goat. Isn't that weird? That's kind of awkward, huh? Saved by goats. I mean, uh, that, I wonder when you, when you think about it, like Aaron was a high priest. He was the first one that this was given to, so... He lays that, he does what God says, and then he smacks that goat and he goes, can you imagine what it must have been like to literally watch the greatest problem in your life for the whole year just run away? No more of those problems. And you're watching it, and you're knowing a good and faithful God is honoring that. You are taking away our sins and you hold them over us no more. He watched all of that sin disappear into the wilderness 
on a goat's head. <laughs> no matter what they'd done, in one day it was just gone. No matter what sins they'd committed, in one moment it was just gone, never to return or be held against them. All the lies, all of your selfishness, every time you failed, everything, gone. In a way, we should be surprised by it because it's so amazing. And at the same time, we shouldn't be surprised by it because God's more amazing. It's infinite. I mean, that goat took off and, and they never were held for their sins. It's that, that picture of, of the infinity of God's forgiveness as far as east from the west. East and west never run into each other. They just keep going this way. North and south, you're always coming back to one of the poles. East and west just goes. Never to be a part of your life anymore. No matter what. Forgiven, free, made right. When I think of Leviticus 16 and, and, and all of that and, and, and the slaughtering and then think of Jesus on the cross, there's times for me personally, it just feels awkward and odd to... It's, it's a bit uncomfortable and awkward to realize that, that God has this anger at sinners that needs to be appeased. There's part of me in my selfishness and in my own, you know, brilliance that I sometimes uh, think I have more of than, than, than God. And then I'm like, why would a big, perfect, holy creator, this big loving God need to have, like, his anger appeased? And it's because... He's holy and just. It, it feels odd to me to read about Leviticus and realize that that anger before Jesus on the cross was appeased by two goats. So it's, it's awkward that God has this anger at sin and then odd that he, it's like killing goats will do. <laughs> it's just, I, I don't know about you, but, but I love the picture because it gives me a greater understanding of what Jesus did on the cross it was also great for them because every time those phrases were used, they understood we don't live out those traditions and those, those moments. We don't really live out the Day of Atonement in the same way. For them, they're just going, oh my word, is he really it? Or no way, a carpenter could, all the stuff they would struggle with. But God is holy, so sin can't be overlooked. He can't just be like, well, you're good. He's holy. So sin is an affront to God. He's also just. And a just judge says there has to be a payment. There has to be a punishment. I can't, if I give you a pass on this, then I'm not even true to myself. And that's what makes the gospel so beautiful and the cross so spectacular. Because he loves us so much. And he has grace beyond our imagination so he made a way where there was no way. We couldn't fix it at all, and he did it all. Two goats for atonement back then, but it just pointed to Jesus. The cross is where God solved the sin problem, and we read in the book of Isaiah this understanding of what God, it was another prophecy, 700 years roughly 700 years after the Day of Atonement was established and 700 years before the cross. And there was a prophecy of, uh, of what God was going to do to solve the sin problem. And it says in 
Isaiah 53, verse 4. Yet it was our weakness that Jesus carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But listen to this and then and take it personally, into you personally. Jesus was pierced for your rebellion. Jesus was crushed for my sin. <laughs> Jesus was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so Scott could be healed. All of us, like sheep, we've strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. All of us. He went through all that for us and all of us went on our own in some way, shape, or form for some reason. Yet, even, even though we left God's paths and God's ways and we shook our fist at him, yet the Lord laid on Jesus the sins of us all. I think we could probably stop right there and, and just go into this in all praise so that I could be made whole instead of a miserable life here and then a Christless eternity in hell. Jesus took all that so that I could be made whole and forgiven. And that's where faith enters in the equation. You see, those people back in, in Leviticus at the Day of Atonement, they were never saved because of two really nice goats. They were saved because they had faith in the God who promised to forgive them if they obeyed. That's the point. Going to church, being raised in this denomination, saying, oh, I believe, but then not what... It's not about what we say, it's about how we live. It's why Jesus said in John 8, the truth will set you free, but before that He said, you got to do this. you got to live this out. From your heart with your actions, from your heart with your mouth, in submission to Me. See, it wasn't about the goats they brought and, and, and doing all the procedure perfectly and then, and then smacking that one goat on the backside so it took the sins away. It wasn't about that. It was their faith in the God who said, I'll do that for you if you'll do this. It's never your ritual or your religious act. It's always your heart. Even though we walked away, he laid the sins of all of us on Jesus so Jesus is the fulfillment of both of the goats. I love that the passage, and we're celebrating communion today, but, but that passage in, in Matthew 26, as he's going through the, the, what we call the, the Last Supper with his followers, and, and, and he's explaining to them what, what, they're, what they're partaking in, they would immediately go back to the Day of Atonement. Like they would get it all. They probably knew it was coming, but all of a sudden Jesus is giving them form and fashion. And so when we take communion, for them, they're taking communion here together was like, oh, this is the Day of Atonement. That's what we're talking about. So Jesus in Matthew 26 is, is showing, I'm the substitute for the sin goat and I'm your scapegoat. And in verse 28, he says, my blood is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of everyone. The cross brought forgiveness. The cross brought us forgiveness and it still brings forgiveness to those who need it. 
It brought us who follow Jesus forgiveness. And for anyone here, anyone listening, anyone watching, anyone tuning in later in the week or the year, it still brings forgiveness to you. You have to choose to walk in it. You have to choose to accept it. But the forgiveness is given and done. It's fully intact. You earn nothing. You just say, okay, I would like that. That's, that's atonement, being made one with God. And if we confess our sins to Jesus and trust in him, then all that anger that we deserve because of sin, we realize it's already been poured on Jesus. He took the wrath of God for sin. He took the punishment that we deserve but couldn't pay for. Jesus endured the fire of God's wrath towards sin. And he's a safe place for us. He's, he's a place we run to and he's a place that we rest in. And he's glad to have done it. The joy set before him, he endured that cross that we point to all the time that Martin talked about. And I don't want to take it for granted that, that just because you're, you're here at church today or you're watching or you're listening, that you believe in and trust Jesus. I want you to know that you know that you know and not put fear in you of, oh, I didn't take or oh, I don't have to get saved all the time. No, when you're saved, you're saved. When you accept Christ, you accept Christ and he doesn't let you go. All right. But but you also don't get saved by walking into a church or being raised by Christian parents or living in a nation uh, that says you can worship on Sundays. We do have a choice to make. So if you're not saved, if you haven't personally, you haven't personally asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, to save you, take the opportunity now to trust in him. Trust in the God because he loves you. Trust in this God who, who made a way for you to find full forgiveness of sins from everything, everything, everything you've ever done wrong. He laid it on Jesus' head. And he said, Jesus, my son, take it into a desolate place. That's already happened, but you have to accept what happened for you. Trust in the son of God who willingly made himself a sacrifice for your sin. Who suffered and died so that, Matthew, you might live, right? He suffered and died for everything you and I ever did. Isn't that crazy? Jesus paid the bill for me. And God accepted the payment. And it's canceled. I can't go looking for a bill. It doesn't exist. I can't wait for them to finally text me the bill that I owe. It doesn't exist. It was paid in full and God canceled the debt. That's what forgiveness means. It's canceling a debt. We all know what it's like to have some kind of financial debt, right? It's a house or a car or a buddy or school, whatever it is. And God said, I cancel it all. Yep. Nothing owed. And you owe me nothing. Hallelujah. I cancel it all and I give you eternal life. Trusting in Jesus means more than, than, than just, uh, okay, I, I, you, know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a good, you know, I'll just buy a Bible and, and, and dress right and, and, and attend the right Bible study or the right church service. It means more than that. It's, it's giving my life to him and saying, now this leads my life by the power of the Holy Spirit in me. Trusting in Jesus 
means that I can approach God without fear. Hebrews 4, 16 says we can just boldly go on and, and approach the throne of God. We don't have to earn our way in because we can't. Jesus earned it for us. You've been forgiven. You've been made holy. You can confidently walk in. No fear at all owning you in any way. You can confidently walk in and approach God and receive mercy and grace. You can enjoy a life with God now and know that you know that you know that eternity is set for you. And the gospel is simply this. Jesus will forgive all your sins if you come to him humbly. You come to the cross, the biggest moment ever, and you just lay it all down at his feet. And you just say, you're the Lord. Forgive me, Jesus. I believe in you. I'll follow you the rest of my life here on earth so that I can have eternity with you. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Nothing earned. Only gift given by acceptance. The cross reminds us that we're his. The cross reminds us that we're his because that was the instrument used to slaughter Jesus in our place and buy us back with the forgiveness of sins. Jesus took your place. He's your scapegoat. Or it can be. He's your scapegoat. He took all your sins. Don't keep living in the sins. Don't keep living in your past. Don't keep living in fear. Don't keep living in shame. You are not rejected. You're accepted by the one that made you. He's your scapegoat. So he took away all the barriers. And if you haven't made that decision, you can make it and have him be your scapegoat. There will come a day in the future, we don't know when, how far away it is. Sometimes it feels like, I think it's going to be tomorrow. With the way things are going. But there'll be a day when there's no need for forgiveness. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that a cool thought? There will be a day when there's no need for forgiveness. No need for, for, uh, for approaching the throne and saying, Lord, please forgive me. Like, I don't even know in heaven if we're going to even talk about forgiveness. I don't, maybe... When we do, just be like, whoa, he forgave me. But maybe it'll just be like, we don't need this anymore. There's no, there's no need to talk about how you once were in shame and, and now you're identified as a son or daughter. We just live as sons and daughters and we don't worry about the shame. Like there'll be a day when nothing negative is ever referred to. And sadly, there will be a day when some find out what could have been. When, when some pass away and realize, oh, it was true. It was true. There was a God that made me and died for me and offered me everything. So let that be our motivator to share, to tell others about Jesus. We're set. We're saved now and forever. But there will be some that if they stop breathing, and you know those people in your life, those people that you're close to or you, you work with or some way you're connected to them. Maybe they're not even, maybe distant, they're, not, they're far away from you distance-wise, but, but you, they still matter to you. And you know if their breath ended now, they would be like, oh, goodness, I didn't know. 
didn't believe. Let that be a motivator to go to them, to pray for them as you go to them, to keep going to them. You're saved. They aren't. Eternity's on the line. Be motivated by the cross that brings them forgiveness if they'll just say yes. And you need people. I need people to remind me, Scott, you're forgiven. Matthew, you're forgiven. Matthew tells, you know, uh, uh, Johnny, you're forgiven. And we just, we just, we need people in our lives that love Jesus and follow Jesus to remind us of what's true. Because the world will try to destroy us. So we need good people around us that follow Jesus as a community to remind us we're forgiven. And you need to remind people they're forgiven. Because of the cross, the blood that, the Bible says sprinkle, but when it, when it refers to sprinkled, it means like, instead of just pouring it all in one time, it's like, get it all, it's, it's a sprinkling, but it's a nonstop sprinkling. Kind of like if you just took a thing of paint, you just kept flinging the whole thing until the whole can was gone. So the blood was just poured out covering the mercy seat. Because of the cross, because of that blood, that forgiveness makes us right. We're going to talk about that more next week on Easter Sunday. Justified, made right with God. But that being made right with God allows me to see others with such grace now because I see what He gave me. So people don't bother me. In my flesh, sometimes I get bothered. But that's just, I repent of that and He grows me. But I don't see people with, Argh! I see people with grace who are in need just like I was, just like I am. And some people are callous to the truth of the gospel. Some are constantly beating themselves up day after day. It can't be true. I'm such a horrible person. Some have forgotten the forgiveness of their father. And so those that are callous, those who just beat themselves up, those who have forgotten, we take the gospel truth to them so they can be made free and live free or just live free instead of in the prison that they're choosing. So are you living forgiven? Are you telling others about the forgiveness of sins that that, that cross brought? A symbol of death, a horrible way to execute people in the Roman times, the most embarrassing, painful way to die. That's what the cross represents on one side. On the other side, forgiveness of sins, freedom, being justified, being called into a kingdom life. So it's horrible, but it's awesome. It is. Look at that cross and let it be your motivator. I'm free. Like, I'm good with God because Jesus took my place. So we have this living hope based in the cross. We have a living hope every single day. Not like, well, one day, one day I won't have to be here anymore and there'll be heaven. That's a terrible way to live. A living hope. Like, I wake up in the morning and I might look at it and go, huh, that's awkward for my nation, but I got Jesus, man. And there's probably more people willing to hear about Jesus now than in the past, like, four years. I would guess. Because it's like, oh, no. And you can go, oh, I can tell you a good oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you about a scapegoat. I can tell you about a, a substitute that makes everything right now and forever. Jesus paid the debt 
God accepted the payment. It's canceled. The cross was the weapon God used to win the day. He won at the cross. In his death, Jesus won. In his death, Jesus won. And then we know that he didn't just die and forgive us of our sins with that, with that offering, but like he rose again in victory. And that's what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. So like even coming up this week on Friday, when we, when we remember that, that horrific day, that horrific moment when Jesus was killed because of us, we don't, we don't stay there. Like we celebrate Good Friday because what it brought, and we know that Sunday's coming. And that's a beautiful thing. That's why, man, you should come on Friday. We always make it a celebration time. We always have communion to remember, even like we're doing today. And we always celebrate the work of the cross because it brought three days later the resurrection of the king. And that's good news. The cross was God's weapon to win the day for us. And then we constantly live in this remembrance of that amazing moment. So I recalled by scripture to, to remember with communion. It doesn't tell us how often to do communion. It just says, do it routinely. And so here we do it basically every month, the last Sunday of every month, and we do it on special occasions like Good Friday and some other ones, and some real life groups do it and, and all of that. And it's a beautiful thing, but, but it's really us remembering the great exchange, him exchanging his life for ours, his perfect life lived so that he could pay the price and step in front of basically the death squad for us and take that punishment. It's a great exchange that he makes. We read about in, in the book of Hebrews. You read it all throughout scripture, actually. You can use a hundred different passages. That's why I love communion. You never have to read the same one all the time. It's just everything points to Jesus' work on the cross. But it's this great exchange that made a way where there was no way for us. This communion that we take where we remember and we're grateful and maybe even broken. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, the author writes, Dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By Jesus' death, he opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. He made a way for us to step into the holiness of God and not be consumed because of sin. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. So we're going to take communion here in a little bit. We're going to do a little different today. But we are going to take communion together. We're going to, we're going to remember. We're going to be grateful. Hopefully some of us will be undone. But, but on that night that, that I referred to other, earlier in, in Matthew 16, he, he takes the bread and he probably had small loaves with his disciples and, and he breaks the bread. And he lets them see it, tearing the bread, breaking the bread. And, and then he gives... He gives some to each of his guys. He says, this is my body. This represents my body 
broken for you. And they're remembering Leviticus. The sin offering. This represents the sin offering being cut up into pieces. And then he takes the cup and he says, this that you're about to drink, it represents my blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And they're like, I know what you're talking about. He's talking about the past, but he's pointing him to just a, a short time ahead, just a few hours in the future, what would happen. So when we take the bread and we eat it, it's the body of Christ given in your place. When we take the cup and we drink it, it's the blood poured out for the forgiveness of all your sins taken away. That's what it is. And so here in a moment when we, when we go into this first song, the ushers are going to hand out the, the communion elements and they come self-contained right now and, and so you'll get one of those. And, and when you get one of those, I'm going to pray in a little bit, but my prayer is that, that you would spend some time just praying and just going, God, do you want to show me anything? Do you want to, do you want to teach me anything? Do you, want to, do you want to highlight anything that I need to take care of with, with you and me right now? Is there anything causing a barrier between us? Is there any sin issue I need to confess and, and just embrace your forgiveness of? If you had made that decision earlier today, or just while I was talking, to, to follow Jesus, it's the best thing you can do, I think, is to take communion right away after making a decision to follow Jesus. If you've never made a decision to follow him, the gospel is simply this. Save me. I believe. And you're saved. And then the Bible tells us that the communion is for the believers. It is for believers to take, whether you're a member of this church or you're a guest, if you follow Jesus, he's your Lord, he's your Savior, he's your King, you take communion today remembering that. But, but after I pray and we go into this song, you're going to take communion whenever you want during these next three songs. Josh will remind you of it as well, but, but maybe you want to go in a corner, maybe you want to huddle with the dear ones in your life, maybe you want to sit with your, your kids and, and talk about it, maybe you want to take communion as a, as a husband and wife together. But I'm going to lead us in a prayer here, but the communion part, you take it any time during these next three songs. And my prayer for us is this. I'm going to ask you to stand right now as I, as I pray. My prayer is that we would be undone by God's forgiveness in our lives for our sins, for our failures. My prayer is that we would be Stopped in our tracks, so to speak, for how good and amazing and, and just how giving he is. And my prayer is that when we, when we take that bread that was broken for me, we'd remember, wow, you did that for me. You let the Father lay on you all of my sins so I could be set free. And you poured out your blood for the forgiveness of my sins. My prayer is that we be undone by the lengths that God went to to save us and to make us his own and to call us into his presence and in his life to make us sons and daughters. God, I, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. I, I thank you for your love that is not only unconditional, but never-ending. 
God, I thank you for your willingness to kill your son for me, for us. It, had, it was not Jesus' fault that we sinned and rebelled and yet that you allowed that to be the punishment that satisfied. And Jesus, you did that for me. You went to the cross and you endured the most horrific pain a body could take. But more than that, you endured separation from the Father for the first time ever just to forgive me of my sins that I owed. And I thank you for that. And so as we, as we get our cup and our, and our wafer here in a moment, I pray that we would just make anything right we need to make right with you. And then we take that knowing full well what you did for us and the price that, that it enacted just for our forgiveness, our freedom, our justification, and our life in you. You are so good. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Speak to us as we worship. Speak to us as we take communion. Speak to us as we, as we pray to you and, and commune with you. Thank you for your blood, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit our media page on hcfburnett.org and follow us on social media. God bless and have a great week.